This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Neil Gaiman once said, We owe it to each other to tell stories. Story-driven games can evoke fear, joy, and even help us confront some of our most difficult feelings. And as an avid indie gamer, that really resonates with me. Today on the show, I talk about the elements and importance of a good story with Benjamin Rivers and Nancy Young, two creatives based in Canada who've been developing and designing critically acclaimed indie games and graphic novels since 2012. Welcome to Those Who Play Create, the podcast that explores the stories, ideas, and inspirations for some of the gaming industry's best. I'm your host, Lawrence, and today on the show, we talk with a small but mighty studio about the importance of powerful storytelling and its influence on their critically acclaimed offering of games and graphic novels. So without further ado, let me introduce Benjamin Rivers and Nancy Young. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for hopping on the show. Definitely appreciate it. Big fans of your work. Recently, actually, just just kind of got into all of the games that you guys created and uh, definitely wanted to talk to you about some of the themes and some of the stories that you tell because uh, they're, they're very interesting and very impactful. So for our listeners that might not be familiar with your work, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the studio, how things got started, your personal experiences working in the game industry that led you up to this point. And I also know that you have some exciting news from your studio that you'd like to share also. Right, right. Nancy, do you mind if I go ahead? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, it's been, we've been going on nine years now as a company, which is kind of crazy because it all just sort of happened on completely by accident. We've known each other since college and we've been married for 20 years now. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we've always just sort of done things in the creative space. We both went to school for graphic design. So Nancy and I have both always sort of been doing design related things. And um, when we got into doing games, it was purely because the game industry here in the city in Toronto uh, kind of just grew. The local indie scene just kind of happened and flourished. And we just got to meet people. And then we got to learn how to make things and figured out what to do with them once we made them and put them out into stores and all that kind of stuff. And everything just sort of happened naturally as as these opportunities kind of blossomed. And the biggest thing with us that's maybe different from, from some other studios is because we're older, when we got into games, there was no game industry in terms of indies. You know, there was the Xbox Live uh, arcade stuff with the 360. And that was sort of the first indie game space that ever happened in, in modern times. Uh, there was, of course, bedroom quarters and things from like the 70s and 80s. Uh, and and kind of like most computer games in the 90s were sort of indie games. But um, uh, there was no sort of scene. No one went to school for making games or anything like that when we were sort of discovering things. So for us, it was just a way to use the skills that we had elsewhere um, in a new form. And that included storytelling, you know, character design or graphic design and all that other stuff. So we basically just like accidentally fell down a hill and have been rolling for nine years <laughs> and we're still we're still going. All right. And so 
recently there have been some changes to to the studio overall. Did you want to go over some of those? Yeah, well, it's no longer, despite the fact that you hear my voice most of the time, it's no longer <laughs> just me. So we've been called Benjamin Rivers, Inc. for nine years. Uh, and the reason for that was simple. When we started the company, when we released Home on Steam, we didn't know if anything was going to happen. So we just had the name Benjamin Rivers, Inc. so that I could still keep freelancing if I wanted to with that name. Uh, and then uh, we just kept making games. So the name just kind of stuck. <laughs> but for the past several years, how did you say it, Nancy? You always said, you know, I don't really want a business card with your face on it. <laughs> if it's going to be my name on the card, too. <laughs> it's kind of weird if I have to work for Benjamin Rivers. Yeah, it feels, it's kind of weird. So because that's certainly not what it's like. We've been a partnership the whole time. So uh, what we did was just this week, we relaunched our company uh, and we're now called Bansy Co. So that was sort of like a rebrand and relaunch. Uh, it's the same company. We're all just doing the same things. We All the games are still ours and all that. But uh, we wanted to have a new fresh face or pair of faces uh, and a new name. And it's been something we've been planning for actually several years now. That's awesome. It's awesome. What did you say, guys? Say in the uh, the launch video, same games, more Nancy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now we come instead of me telling people I'm working for Benjamin Rivers. Now I have to tell people I'm Nancy from Bansy. Ghost. <laughs> that's right, Nancy <laughs> so, from. <laughs> just as awkward. Awesome. So the first game that you guys uh, have created that I wanted to talk about was actually Alone with You. And uh, Alone With You was really, like I said, my introduction to the the types of games and the stories that you tell. I downloaded it, played it. I think I completed it in two days. And at the end of it, I was just like, wow, this is, you know, this was a really good story. It was so interesting. You know, what drew me in and, and made this like a more memorable play playthrough of the game was um, the game is dubbed as, you know, a sci-fi romance story. But it kind of departs from the elements of what I would expect from like a traditional like romance story in a game. And in and, and doing so, it also kind of pulls in some of these like components of like a new romance or a short romantic stint. And there, you know, you deal with these themes of like, you know, proper communication, misplaced expectations, um, someone having more pressing concerns and it's all delivered in this kind of really dark, like dystopian package. Yeah. <laughs> which makes it makes for a very interesting type of like romance story. So my, my first question to you is, given the emphasis and importance placed on quality storytelling in, in the games that you develop, what was the process that you both went through to combine the more sci-fi elements, like escaping from the doomed colony, with the romantic relationship building mechanics that drive parts of the story. Well, Nancy, do you remember what you said to me when we were first coming up with the idea of doing, doing something with sort of like a dating system or a romance system? I can't remember exactly. This, this is always how it happens is that Nancy will say one thing and I'll go, oh, I didn't think of that. And then that sort of <laughs> turns everything on its head and then we have to plan, plan for it. You said we were, I was coming up with the designs and I think I'd drawn a bunch of female characters and she said, well, can I play? Uh, meaning as a woman, uh, as like a hetero woman. And I said, uh, I guess I got to write some other characters, huh? And then we started being like, well, who who could play? Like, who, what kind of characters are we going to have here? And then we thought, well, do we have to have multiple characters? Do we need to have different gender characters and whatnot? And then I said, OK, Nancy, our main character is going to have a helmet. So it doesn't matter, you know, who they are, what they look like, who they're into. 
anyone can play and just sort of embody the character and, and it'll make more sense. And she's like, oh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's way less artwork. <laughs> now I remember. <laughs> so that was, that was sort of how that stuff uh, started. And then from then on, uh, realizing we want to have a greater variety of characters, it was sort of like working backwards to think, okay, well, what kind of characters are they, are they going to be? And sometimes when we make games... Well, every time we make games, it's usually because we'll have a conversation or there'll be some little spark of an idea of like, oh, I've always wanted to do this, like, or have a have a character that does X, or I want to have this scene, and we're going to figure out how we make a game about that. But in this, that concept was a lot more vague. It was more about the systems, like an exploration game, the sci-fi game, some romance elements. And then it was about saying, okay, well... So what's going on? Where are you? Okay, you're on a colony. Okay, whose colony? You know, Canadians will realize there's a ton of Canadian references in the game, like everywhere. Everything has some sort of hardcore Canadian reference uh, (laughs) in it. And it was answering a bunch of questions of like, how long has this colony been around? What's going on? What happened before the game started? Who are these people? What are their relationships? And you had mentioned about, you know, things about like misplaced expectations and stuff. There's a theme for the game. Uh, the theme is breakup. And there's a literal breakup in the in the game in that the colony you're inhabiting is literally breaking up and you have to get off before it explodes. And then all the relationships of the game are essentially just things that have gone wrong, you know. And so what we got to do was think about all these situations of like, well, what are what are relationships that could go wrong or what are the different ways they could? So all the different stories behind the colonists that you find, like the bodies that you scan, uh, are all meant to have these little um, three-act plays. The whole game is about like a series of tiny three-act plays. So there's three chapters to every sort of area in the game, which means that you essentially get like three acts for a bunch of different pairings of characters, all this kind of stuff. And they're all like little tiny stories that all sort of weave together. So some of my favorites are like uh, a character who is clearly in love with another character, but the other character hates her, like just thinks she sucks. Um, So we were thinking about all those ways. And then, you know, I would sort of show these things to Nancy and she would either say like, oh, this is maybe too mean or not mean enough or you already did this or like, what about this? And I think you referenced like office people you worked with and just other friends that said like, well, I remember this one time someone at my work was like this. We could put that in and we would just steal that and make that. I don't think there was a natural official process of giving like uh, feedback in uh, the earlier projects because um, I think a lot of them, uh, Ben spearheaded the projects so that he kind of have a a vision of his own, like what he wants to put in. Um, So... I think anyone can benefit from a second opinion. But when when he asked me questions, asked me for feedback, I'll just come. I'll be coming from a more like a player's perspective, oh. like certain things. Like I don't understand why why is it presented this way, and then and then from there we just go back and forth and try to solve the problem. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the story stuff was was just me basically trying to pitch like. Oh, did you know that like Samba and so and so have this thing? And if she was like, I don't know what that means, or this text doesn't make sense, I'd be like, Oh, okay. So it, it was kind of fun because all these, you know, even though the game is like a lot of text, uh, and like you say, there's so much of this romance uh, element in this in the theme and the story. It's all tiny little bite-sized stories, and getting that right was really difficult. So that was where we sort of went back and forth a lot. I was curious. You said you were uh, pitching ideas. Uh, you talked about something was too mean or not mean enough. What were some of the ideas that weren't mean enough? <laughs> oh, 
Oh boy, I'm, I think I th- I have a tendency to be too prudish about certain things. Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's my word. <laughs> yeah. So Nancy was said like, no, no, no. Like you got to make it more. I don't know how how you, how you express it, but usually, usually, uh, that's also the lesson we learn from design is that usually the initial design, initial thought, it's usually correct. Whatever you want, we want to say, it's like we want to say it a certain way. Uh, usually it's the most powerful and correct. And whenever you try to tone it down a little bit, it becomes kind of like muddy mm-hmm. and it's less powerful. So usually it could mean that someone's conversation is not direct enough or maybe it sounds too mean, but if can actually, if you, it more direct doesn't mean mean. Yeah. It just mean more clear. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Certain things like that. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. And so I was wondering, um, in a previous interview I was uh, reading, it was a, I think it was a blog post about Alone With You. Ben, you described this game as Star Trek crossed with awkward online dates. You said it's a narrative adventure game that lets you explore, dig deep into a story, and make some surprising connections with some hopefully interesting characters, uh, which is definitely like a very unique take on a, on a game, especially like any type of like narrative survival game. And so given the, you know, given the fact that some of your previous works were uh, really focused uh, in the, the horror genre, were there any influences from any of these previous projects that you worked on that popped up in this game or that helped you get to from point A to point B when developing this? I mean, yes. The, the short answer is yes. The long answer is yes and. <laughs> because the whole idea of Star Trek was quite literal in that there was an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation I watched that was where Jordy LaForge falls in love with a hologram in the holodeck while trying to uh, study for something because he resurrects some, you know, old engineer. And I was so taken by that idea. And I said, that kind of sounds like what we're trying to do with this game. So it sort of focused the point, like the kind of core of what it was like. That's we're basically just making this holo- holodeck simulator, you know, uh, and that's where sort of that line came from. But the whole thing with home was. I mean, home is a monologue. The whole point of the game is that you are, as a player, constructing a story based on your actions. And the idea of uh, Alone With You is that it was a dialogue. Everything you did was because of your conversations with other characters or their conversations with each other. So it was never about you telling the game something specifically or the game telling only you something specifically. So that became the big change. And that actually was a huge challenge. And when you're dealing with horror, you know, just like Nancy says, you tend to go larger at first. You just want to scare the crap out of people. And then later you'll say, oh, I don't know, maybe that's too scary. And then Nancy will say, no, more scary. Don't just do it more. <laughs> and the same thing was true with making this. You know, I would write some of the scenes uh, like in the Holosim chamber that were like very subtle. And I think, Nancy, you said, you're like, so do they like you or do they not like you? And you're like, yeah, I guess they should just ask you if you like them. It's like a little on the nose. But otherwise, you don't know, because with games, it's tougher. You have to be a little bit more obvious than you uh, sometimes are in other mediums, Um, because as the player, the player needs to know, oh, I'm supposed to react a certain way or I'm supposed to give input. That's a prompt. I need a cue for that. So you need to provide the correct sort of like social cue to say, like, yes, I need you to tell me something right now. I think this is something that we need. We're trying to balance um, all the time is that um, I think the I think one of the good things about uh, the games that we created is the subtlety, subtlety of a lot of uh, situation. And um, when we 
look at reviews and whatnot and feedback that we got, we realized that people get it. We're not, it's not too subtle. People actually get what we're trying to say. However, sometimes uh, there are also a lot of confusion what we're trying to say. So there are, there are, the balance that we're trying to get is like, do we just stick with what we want to create and um, assuming people will get it or make it more obvious? If it's scary, if it's a scary game, should it be scarier or mm-hmm. just kind of like, is it a little bit creepy enough? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no right or wrong, I think. It's just ongoing yeah. process of trying to adjust yeah. that. It gets harder with every game. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, there, there are those, those obvious concepts that pop up in the games. And then there are always those um, deeper parts or like the deeper themes and the, the meanings behind some of uh, the events that happen. And I think every single game that, that uh, you both have worked on, which is like a good segue into my next point, because I think, uh, I mean, I know that uh, on your website, like you're specifically mentioning the fact that you are making these story driven games, like the story is is very important. And I mean, it, and it comes it comes across that way. So, I mean, even from like from your critically acclaimed like graphic novel Snow to these worlds that you're building in all of your games, you know, like Home or Worse Than Death, the story is always king. And I find that Personally, like when I talk to somebody about what makes a good story, you know, normally the answer I get goes directly to like writing style, which, you know, obviously it's not the wrong answer, but like you in a graphic novel or in a video game, you have to convey a story in a certain way. There are all of these smaller components, which was actually it was interesting when I played home last night, like the postmortem edition and I had there were all the hotspots and, you know, you could get some of the background about thoughts for for different parts of the game and why you guys did that even from like the bats right coming in and you know like i just wanted to put bats in this part of the game because i felt like it would it was scary you know you know while writing is important it's those like additional just like non-written elements that drive a story forward or enhance the experience for a player so like the bats uh the way the audio pans and and worse than death uh when you're in some areas so you so it, it feels like you don't know if someone's approaching you and it kind of adds to the suspense and the anxiety that you're feeling. Or even like I saw an interview where you talked about how you use the pixel art style because uh, there's more there for a player to interpret. I think that there are, there are all of these like little tiny pieces that just add to the overall experience and the story itself. So when developing games like Worse Than Death or Home, in your uh, small town horror series, where do you kind of pull the inspiration for these like non-written, non-verbal story elements? Do you mind if I start with this? Go ahead. There's two. There's two things. Two things that we can both speak to, or one thing in particular we can both speak to is that we're both big fans of manga and anime. That's kind of how we met. You know, like we were both realized we like comics, and then we had a shared sort of uh, interest a long time ago. And when we're trying to explain to each other something that we want, we like 100% of the time just refer to a manga or an anime to be like, no, like this, you know, like, this is like, you know, like in this scene in this cheesy romance manga, like, remember when so-and-so happens, like, that's, that's what you should feel. Like the, the rejection should be this big or this, the, the fear should be this big. And when, when, uh, when I was doing snow, I mean, I say I was doing it, but Nancy was like editing and, 
sort of story directing and all that stuff too. It kicked off with me doing a bunch of story uh, concepts and art concepts. And Nancy said, do this one, like draw this concept because it's way cleaner and the expression is much easier to read and the story will be much clearer and much more accessible that way. So she essentially like art directed the entire book and the whole style right from the beginning. It's like that one, do that. And I realized now, uh, you know, after we finished the book, I realized like, oh, that we were just pulling a lot from classic manga with just, especially 80s manga, which is sort of where we, what we love the most. Uh, just like very, you know, simple shapes and clear expressions. And even though things aren't necessarily said, you always understand what's going on. And as a reader, you can infer things. So we take those exact elements into the games as well, where, you know, like you say, panning audio, sound, uh, animation, timing, these are all things we get from you know, movies and uh, anime and whatnot, but comic books and manga use all the same techniques about timing and getting the audience to sort of buy into something, even though they don't realize they're, do- they're doing so because they're, you know, there's a pause or there's something they're supposed to read into. They're not being given the specific information. So a lot of times it's just that, you know, I'll say like, oh, this is like that Junji Ito comic I like where, you know, this is happening and I want you to get this expression. Or Nancy would be like, yeah, I don't know. Like, remember in... <laughs> <laughs> like record of lotus war like something like that more like that then we sort of <laughs> speak in that language a lot uh and then that has less to do like you say less to do with writing uh, or words specifically and more with like feeling timing expression all that stuff and it's honestly it's just how there's always like manga and anime there's always a, sh- a great shortcut solution to a problem <laughs> if you just watch enough anime <laughs> and read enough manga you'll be able to be like this scene from this book just do that that's the that's the one you want <laughs> that's really good advice i mean as someone like i watch a lot of anime excellent my fiance watches a lot of anime i have not tried to <laughs> communicate in anime or manga and i think i'm gonna do that now it's the true language of long-lasting <laughs> relationships we can confirm that <laughs> That is uh, that is definitely something I will take into marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um. So, so my next question for you both is, uh, when, you know, when developing a uh, narrative horror, has there ever been like a memorable idea for an immersive element that didn't make the final cut? Didn't make the final cut? Yeah. Do you want to? Well, I mean, Nancy wanted me to put way more blood and gore into worse than death. Yes. 
Um, I think worse than death, definitely there are potential to make it way more bloody and glory um, and scary. Because sometimes during the process of uh, designing the game, he had some vivid dreams about a certain situation, and he would describe it to me, and I'll ask him like, "Why didn't you just put all those in the game? It's so much fun." <laughs> right. But I think um, I'm not sure if you you real you feel it by now after playing all three games. Um, Ben doesn't like any fantasy genre thing. Everything have to be pretty realistic. I like yeah, uh, more it's more realistic days. horror. Um, okay. So a lot of potential could make it more um, supernatural or fantasy-like. It we didn't put it in just because it's not something that he can write or relate to. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah, that's true. I like to rein it in. Like worse than death has supernatural elements, but it's a lot more. Uh, I guess it's it's more quote unquote grounded than you might see a lot of sort of stories, similar stories uh, tell. And Nancy would always be like, what about this? And I'd be like, well, that's way too far out there. And she's like, I don't know. Just give it a try. You can have more blood that way. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, de- there's a scene of worse than death. This won't spoil anything for anyone who hasn't played the game, but there's essentially a scene where the, at the beginning with the high school reunion that was originally intended to start very differently. Instead of the way the high school reunion starts now, um, there was going to be sort of like a, an argument and then someone was going to explode in blood that would have covered the entire <laughs> uh, gymnasium in red. And Nancy was like, yeah, 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 more of that. So we had artwork and a bunch of other stuff and animations in the game. And then as the story sort of uh, changed and evolved, we realized they didn't need that anymore. And I remember, I, I don't know if you remember, Nancy, when we, I think, sort of were playing the final version of the game. You were like, wait a minute, what's when's that, where's that scene where all the blood is supposed to happen? An explosion. <laughs> yeah, and I said, well, you sort of see some stuff later, but... We don't have the scene with the exploding blood. I think you were disappointed. Can we have um, an extreme version later on? Yeah, like a re-release, extreme version? Yeah. Unrated? <laughs> I'll be looking out for that yeah, one. Yeah, put it on itch, because you know you don't have to have ratings for that. <laughs> That's interesting, though. I actually did notice that you do have a lot of these like bigger concepts that uh, do feel a little bit more human um, after playing these games. Like, you know, Alone With You... I think just just some of the trials and tribulations that you're you're dealing with while you're trying to make it through and get to the overall goal of the game, they they feel like you can connect with them. It does feel really grounded in that way. And the same with um, you know, worse than death. Some of the the uh, like more introspective themes are very human. So yeah, while you are you know you being scared or trying to figure out all the information that you need to help you with your goal and like alone with you or trying to figure out what's what's going on in the story and home uh there is that that very strong human element there that i really appreciated but i did want to talk about some of your inspirations because i know that we've talked a lot about comics and games and i've seen in previous interviews you know where you mentioned that your love of comics and video games started as a child or you play video games with your mother and that you um, started reading comic books because you were given them by your siblings and you started writing comic books earlier are there still games and comic books that either of you refer back to when you have like a creative block or need some additional inspiration for a project oh all the time. Oh yeah, every day. Yeah, like I said, eighties eighties manga especially. One one of my favorite manga artists is uh, Mitsuru Dachi, who is most famous for well, he's he makes like rom com stories that are always centered around sports, like baseball or swimming and whatnot. His most famous book is is called Touch. It's from the eighties, which has never been translated into English officially, which is just absolutely 
bonkers considering how popular it is. His work is a huge influence on everything because he is the master at having scenes where no one says anything and you absolutely understand everything that's going on. <laughs> and just sort of like, he has a very cartoony style, but it's just sort of extremely well designed as, and paced and everything. And we refer to that a lot because, again, the clarity is always, is always there. Uh, and whether he's doing something that's a little bit more supernatural or, off off kilter uh, or something it's just very slice of life it's 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 all sort of there i think because anime and comic it's a way more mature medium yeah so whenever we stumble with certain problems there is there are already some solutions out there they've been already <laughs> solved it's, right. we're not trying to like copy something exactly but someone already solved that problem yeah so how to treat certain situation um they are uh, comics and anime are really unapologetically uh in anything in any way it's like if you want to deal with certain topics like mm-hmm. there must be a comic manga <laughs> or anime about it yeah it's we're it's, basically giving away our whole secret here which is just read lots of manga watch lots of anime <laughs> all the answers are out there <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now everyone's gonna go back and be like that's where he stole this from aha I'm, I'm i'm picking up that i need more uh i watch a lot of anime but i probably need more manga in my Mangas. life manga so good I like I, I gotta get a reading list for me. For totally, I'll be happy to be happy to provide that. I and, you know th- sometimes we compare notes because um, Nancy's from Hong Kong, so she grew up reading very different manga than I grew up reading because I only got manga when I was a teenager in the '90s because of it not coming to uh, North America uh, that much and not noticing the stuff that was published in the late '80s until much later. So we would often compare notes on you know Nancy's read way more series and they're a lot more translated. Yeah. Um, um, I think more, more anime and manga for adults. Yeah, different styles and, yeah. and whatnot, right? So, uh, you know, I would joke about some random subgenre of something, and Nancy would say, "Like, oh yeah, I totally read that. Like, I read that when I was thirteen. <laughs> there's, there's ten. Here's ten series about that topic." <laughs> so, Nancy and Ben, do you guys have like a specific manga that you reference, like either a gold standard, like one one specific manga you go to, or a top artist or author? I think I've said mine already, like in terms yeah. of like Mitsuru Dachi and, and um, uh, Naoki Urasawa are sort of like the two. But do I have one? Well, I think, there's, I think there's one, one that we cross over a lot, uh, which is the creator of Inuyasha and yes. Rama one half. Ah. Rumiko Takahashi. It's really entertaining, dealt with subject matter that are hard to deal with, but it's at the same time it's really fun. And you can't stop reading it. So really like that. Yeah. But in general, I think we both like 80s, no, 80s and 90s manga. Yeah. You can't really beat that. My, uh, my fiance will definitely love to know that Inuyasha made it on the top. <laughs> She's been trying to get me to finish the anime for oh, it's okay. like a few months now, I feel like. It's, there's a lot. It's, yeah, like, there's it's a, a lot. It's a lot. We, you know, I, I, I get a lot of manga from the library and sometimes I'm just shocked at how, a, how much they have here in Toronto at the library. But then I'll get a series and I'll go home. That's a lot of that's a lot of books. This is going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from this conversation uh, about manga, like from graphic novels to games, to everything in between. I feel like you both are handling like quite the creative workload for a two person team. What I'll say that I appreciate the most about your work is like we were talking about the ability to ground these like larger, more obscure concepts. Like, or like I was saying earlier, there is this very like human quality, even inside of some of the madness or some of the horror or some of the 
you know, the the, the sci-fi and, and the games that I've played. But I think that's what, what really, like, helped me connect. Like, playing um, Worse Than Death, playing it the other day, actually, and getting to the end of the game and, and, and like, some of the themes that they were talking about, the, the more introspective concepts. I was just like, wow, this is a really good story. But I was wondering, like, I, you know, when it when it comes to these like bigger and more obscure ideas, I've I've seen in interviews where Ben, you've said that you're like the dog running around, uh, <laughs> shouting yes. out all these ideas, and Nancy is like the cat that stops you and is like, you know, maybe we should do this idea, or maybe we should drop this idea, or maybe this idea uh, needs a little bit more work. So. My question is for Nancy, how do you determine like what stays, what goes and what needs more work in the creative process? And how has that changed since like working on home? Um, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think I can tell Ben to not do certain things if he wants, he set his mind to it. That's just his personality. Uh, I think he's just being nice saying that I, I stop him from doing certain things. No, you totally do. No. You just have a very gentle way of doing it. No. Um, it's <laughs> usually he'll come to me and for with questions and opinion and whatnot. And sometimes I would just be quiet <laughs> and not say anything. <laughs> and he'll just interpret it as I don't like it. <laughs> and he'll just continue to work on it some more. <laughs> it's true. Is that how, how we get cut? Yeah. I'll know. <laughs> I'll know if something's not up to snuff. You may not say no, but I'll know. <laughs> it's really hard for me to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, if Nancy, I've shown Nancy things before, and she's like, yeah, this is good. And I'll go, wait, what? Really? And she's like, no, yeah, approved. <laughs> Whoa. Like, first time? Okay. <laughs> Since I'm not really good at directing, I can only say, I can only tell you if it's if it hit the spot <laughs> yeah but that's that's why you are so good at directing is because you don't you know there's no roundabout way in which nancy will explain something she'll just go no it's not right and i'll get <laughs> i might get mad i might say like i don't agree with you but i know she's right because if i you know spend 50 more minutes to think about it then i'll go yeah well i can see maybe this doesn't work or this person's not clear and fine so she's a good teacher in that she doesn't she makes me come to the solutions by myself like i have to find the solutions which means i have to find the right one but if it's not wrong she won't say she won't ever say oh yeah that's okay not once not there's, once there's no okay yeah there's no there you go. see kind of okay it's, so it's just my personality it's actually not no it's good though What's funny is, you know, you asked about how it's evolved. Uh, the funny thing is with Home, the original version of Home was like lower resolution. I've talked about that before. And I said, Nancy, this is the game. And I, I don't remember how you said it. But yeah, she made, a, she made a face. And I was like, <laughs> no, not good. Um, ben, it's, it's always have really wild ideas on certain things. And he will set his mind on it. For example, Home, he's, he gave himself a goal to make the game with as little element as possible, but can still scare people. So the first pass of the game was really low resolution. So low that I couldn't interpret what he was drawing. <laughs> so I just had to tell him that. It's like, I don't know what I'm looking at, so I can't really get scared. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep, that's right. That was halfway through development. All the art got redone halfway through. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so that's the process. I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. It's either good or start over. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I know. I can know. There's one look. I'll, I'll know what she's about to tell me. But look how well it's worked. Oh, it works. It's a good process. Three. Yeah, three amazing, three amazing games. The the honesty is super important because uh, when either one of us gets caffeinated, then we both tend to go off about crazy ideas a lot. And then the other one, it's sort of the other person's job to say, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's write this down. But <laughs> we have, there's some decisions to be made here. And I mean, with the new game, it's a little bit opposite where because it's Nancy's direction. She's the one going off on with all these crazy ideas like we can do this and this. And I'll go, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's a lot of systems. We have to think about this. We need to find a way for this all to make sense, like in sort of one system. And so the <laughs> tables have now turned. <laughs> <laughs> so now you get to say you're the one who's like, this is good or. Yeah. I'll be like, well, that sounds complicated. We might have to think about I'm that. I'm not sure how it's going to work. Yeah. Hmm. We can try. We have to talk to the developer about that. It sounds I- it's, it's about goes back to what uh, what will stay and what will uh, didn't get the pass. It's I think because we have we're such a small team that it's not really a big problem to solve because we have limited time, limited resources. We have all these crazy ideas that we want to we want to put into our projects. So it, it comes down to what can we actually realistically do. So once we're decaffeinated, we can usually make the decision pretty easily. Right. So, okay, we actually don't have time to put in all this in the game. We can only pick two. Right. That's the strongest. That list. Okay. Yeah, the list has to get whittled down a bit. So there's probably a list of just like really big game ideas somewhere. There's always a list. Yeah, there's always a list. I, even from home to, to alone with you to worse than death, there were things that carry over from one game to the next of, oh, we could use this for the next game. Or, oh, I wanted to do that, but that didn't make sense. Or even sometimes even little moments, like Nancy would suggest something for Alone With You. And it didn't fit, but it did fit as like a moment in, in Worse Than Death, you know, like a character moment or something like that. So there's all, yeah, there was always a list. We have a lot of lists <laughs> that we just pull from. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I, I do know that you also, along with the, the rebrand uh, to Bansy Co., you've announced that you guys are working on your fourth project. And I know it's still early on, just made the announcement this week. So are there any like cryptic clues or messages or anything related to the game that you can say? I'll let you say. No, do you want to say something without spoiling something? Here, I'll lead, I'll lead you into this one. This is, so this game is Nancy's concept. Whereas before, you know, normally it was me sort of being like, what if we do this? And then us working together to, to make that happen. This was Nancy saying, I want to make this game, like slamming a piece of paper on the table. We're doing this one next. And I have these ideas and blah, 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 blah. And so the uh, style and tone of the game very much reflects Nancy more than it reflects me. That made us not dark, not gloomy, <laughs> not scary, I don't think. Not yet. Uh, yeah. We're still yeah. early. Give me time. Okay. <laughs> the conversation we had was, so how much murder can I put into this? And she's like, no, <laughs> seriously, not really. It's not. I'm like, can I put like a little bit of murder in there? I think I think what I told you was that you might be able to make some add some mystery into it, right? In a way for me to let to 
to for him to buy into the project. So you can you can add mystery to it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But not like gruesome murder. Yeah, not gruesome murder. So it's a little bit more che- cheerful. Also, part of the reason, I think we were actually thinking of a project that's also dark and gloomy at the beginning, but then the pandemic starts and both of us didn't feel like working on something dark and gloomy. Very true. So that this project that I had in mind for a while, just kind of like, well, what about we work on this? Yeah. So I think that's, yeah. that's kind of what we, we have right now. So we got nice, upbeat, a little bit of mystery and possibly murder or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to sneak a murder in there somewhere. And I mean, the other thing too was we really wanted to more... I don't know if literally is the right word, but we want to more intently pull from our manga and anime influences with this. Yeah. You did. You were yeah. like, no, I show a concept. No, more anime. Yes, more anime. <laughs> more in your face, more funny. Yeah, more funny. Are there any specific animes or anime or manga influences that you can mention? It's hard. I don't think it's a particular one anime is just a general tone of just the upbeat feeling that we want to achieve because that kind of actually helped us <laughs> through lockdown yeah <laughs> it's watching a lot of anime yeah i we could answer that question but i think we'd give away too much if we did yeah because okay. i can mention one thing specifically and that would give way too much away and i so desperately want to <laughs> <laughs> soon very soon yeah i'm bad at keeping secrets i will not i will not press yeah please don't because I know that I would go and research that anime right after this. So right. I will not. As curious as I am, I will not press. So to really wrap wrap things up, you know, you guys have been been making games since 2012, creating game after critically acclaimed game, graphic novels, and you're going strong. Got your next project. I have two questions for you to to wrap to wrap up this interview. First question is, you know, do you have anything to say about the importance of story-driven uh, video games in a time where we're seeing a shift in the industry where indie developers are able to carve out a path on their own free of like a AAA studio? And what advice would you both have for any aspiring indie developers and creatives? I mean, you know, there's, al- there's always a lot of trends in the gaming industry because it's a fast-moving industry. And as it's grown, it's become a lot more um, like other industries. Like, you know, I always joke that gaming is like a bunch of Silicon Valley tech bros all the time now, which is absolutely not what it was when we sort of started and what it felt like. Our sort of inspirations for games is, is very different. And um, trends happen all the time. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, games as a service related stuff, long tail games, you know, living games, all that kind of stuff that you hear a lot now. But what we always think about is you can look at big AAA games like uh, games that EA has published, Star Wars, other things where they were publishing nothing but games as a service stuff. No one wanted to make a story driven Star Wars game until they made, um, uh, what was it? I totally forget what the name of the game that came out two years ago was that I played. Oh, oh Fallen Order? Yeah, Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order. And then they were like, oh man, looks like we sold a lot of copies in that and everyone really wanted to play this game. Uh, and that's happening with a lot of other things. You know, Bioware made Anthem. No one wanted to play that game. They just wanted another Mass Effect. And so they're making another Mass Effect. So every time the game industry goes away from story-driven titles, there's always this happens every couple of years where they say, oh, no one wants to play a game with a story. People just want to watch people on Twitch make their own fun. You know, like there's no plot. It's just about... 
engagement or metrics or you know whatever that will always happen for a little while and then someone will always make some really compelling story-based game and then people will go oh these are actually pretty cool if i'm really arguing it look at what sony's doing with playstation 5 their entire portfolio is heavily story-driven yep. s- you know mostly third-person single-player offline yep. games <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they are selling like 10 million ps5s in like six months on on a portfolio that is largely the same genre of game uh and then people will be like well no one wants to play a game of the story it's like if it looks that good they'll play anything like that looks amazing <laughs> so <laughs> i don't think that stuff ever goes away it's just you know taste changes and the good thing is you know you want different kinds of stories i think sometimes people get burned out because they're tired of like just the like the space marine story got played out and then the sort of third person angry shooty guy story got played out and <laughs> that will happen with so many other kinds of stories people just want stories that are relevant to them and you know people are younger people have different interests like we talked about anime manga like there's just different genres of, of storytelling out there so i think whenever someone says no one wants to play a story game they just mean people are looking for something different than what they've been given before and that's where indie games often come in and tell the story that isn't being delivered on a triple a level because it's risky or or the sort of studio heads aren't interested and then you find just amazing stuff all over the place for lots of people which is kind of the point of being indie <laughs> just do do cool stuff and don't worry about the like seven year <laughs> development cycle that another studio has to go through i don't think there is actually a a an answer to whether or not you sh- it's a uh, story written i mean sorry narrative games whether you should have like lots of story or not in a game i think there are types of games like candy crush there are I don't think there are any story in it, right? No. Most mobile games, uh, and they are just as fun, and that's fine. And there are some games that are really long-winded and uh, have really impactful stories to it, but I think, in my mind, I'm thinking that if it's a game that I can just skip the conversation and just want to play uh, the actual mechanic part, maybe we shouldn't put in the story. Right. So it has to... I think that is also a, a, a current uh, problem that we're trying to solve mm-hmm. with uh, the current project is that we have lots of story we want to talk about, but if it's not integrated into the gameplay and people can just skip it, we're not, we probably shouldn't put it in. Yeah. So that's kind of my take on it. There's, yeah. there's, there are space for games that have no story. It's just as fun. There are games that are really just like as much story as like watching a movie, and that's also fun. But if they're gameplay and yeah, the story is not integrated, mm-hmm. then we can just go with that. Yeah, yeah, it's a major design concern. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to answer about advice you would give to aspiring indie developers? Uh, I think there are less and less barrier into making video games now if you want to make a video game you can just do it now there's so many free tools tutorials uh, you can make games in any size i would just say you just go make one mm-hmm. and like right, you, now. right now and then you <laughs> and then uh don't stress yourself by you know getting a big loan to make a game just make make it as little financial burden as possible if you have to keep a job to make a game do it if you can afford to not work for a while and just focus on make, it, make a video game, that's fine too. Just don't stress yourself out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good advice. It is. Just just go out and make it. 
Dude, um, don't bankrupt yourself. Yeah, don't go bankrupt make it yourself. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it out and yes, do not spend a lot of money. Well, it was it was awesome having you both on the show. Thank you very much. This was this was a very wonderful interview. This part of the show, uh, you know, feel free to promote anything. Yeah, I mean, we it's weird having a quote unquote new company now because it's like someone gave us a new baby and we have to like remind ourselves oh we have to look after this thing and tell people about it <laughs> so the biggest thing is like yeah go visit us online at banty.co uh and follow us because we have new we have new social feeds for those things which is weird we haven't had a new social feed in so long <laughs> it's so bizarre uh yeah we're on twitter and instagram at bantico um and the whole point is we are going to be using that to sort of talk about uh game development for the both of us not just you know me ben rambling online all the time um, so there's going to be some fun stuff that we're going to be putting on those channels pretty soon that is much more sort of in between our personalities. And the other thing is, uh, if you do want to listen to me talk more, I stream on Twitch. Nancy's laughing at me because she knows what that's like. Uh, I stream on Twitch every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. EST, twitch.tv slash Benjamin Rivers Inc. Uh, and I play games, a lot of indie games, retro games and stuff, and talk about game design as I do so, uh, and often share stories about working with nancy <laughs> and all the stuff that we do in the studio so that's a pretty fun way to kind of just check out what we're doing awesome well i'll definitely check that out and i can't wait for more information about this new project because i've got a lot of of thoughts floating through my head about what it could be right <laughs> yeah we that's going to be the fun part because we people won't know what to expect and that's actually kind of it's fun for once and with that We've wrapped up this episode of Those Who Play, Create. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you choose to listen. Stay up to date with the Lore Party Network by connecting with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Lore underscore Party. If you're in the game industry and would like to appear on the show, shoot me a message on Twitter at ProducedBy underscore LK. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I like that murder is still kind of on the table. <laughs> Murder's always on the table. That should be our that should be our t- company tagline now. Fancy code. Murder is always on the table. <laughs> yes. I'll see how much you'll get in. You give me like a like a murder budget. Tell me how much murder I can have in the game. Like how many <laughs> missions or chapters or like word counts. You can have like a five hundred word count murder. Story. I need to find murder, murder mystery, but with humor. You reference. can do that. We can do that. I'll add some <laughs> jokes in if that's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next project. Right. That's, okay, name of game number five is Murder is Always on the Table. No one steal that, please. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> you, heard it here, you heard it here first. Murder is Always on the Table is the fifth game. <laughs>